Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast is to share knowledge for realtors and raise awareness for Give Back Homes, where real estate professionals work together for social good. Jet Centers Aviation, Bentley Atlanta, Legends Global, thank you for your sponsorship. All right, everybody, it is the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today we are so excited. We have got Ryan Rodenbeck from Austin, Texas, a top agent in the city and has his own team and company, Spyglass Realty. Ryan, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Exciting. Yeah, so we've had a, we've had heard great things about you. Had a few recommendations, and so we, you and I chatted recently, and we were like, we got to do this. So thank you. I'm excited to yeah. hear. Ryan's a great team builder, excellent marketer. So we're looking forward to hear you share that with us. Tell us first, what happened um, that you decided to become a real estate agent? Yeah, I, I bought my first investment property. I think I was like 26 or 27, and. Um, it was a it was a bad move <laughs> and then um, right. and when i sold it i i remember that i was um I, I hired an agent um put it on the market went to check on it like two days later and there was no pictures on it and i was like what Seriously? is going on right. you know so you know he's like well the photographer's coming on i was like well shouldn't you got the photos first so I immediately fired him. Um, right. I, I went, I was, it, was in, it was in Houston and I was in Austin and I drove to Houston, you know, it was right next to a medical parkway and I, I put flyers on cars that it was available and I sold it within like a week. And um, I said, well, this might be a good reason for me to do this. And we were also working for property. I had a company that we, we, process claims on siting and we worked with a lot of property management companies. I had met a lot of investors. So I, I, re, I got into real estate as a uh, realtor that specializes in investment property. And my very first venture was in investment property and property management. Oh, wow. But you, so back up for a minute because you said you did something with siting and. Um, yeah, there's Masonite siting had a class yes. action lawsuit. Okay. And um, we figured out that if you have the siding, you can file a claim, right. send wood off your house into uh, Masonite, and they would send an inspector out and they'd give you a check. Well, no one knew about that. So we literally started a company that would you know, send postcards out, knock on doors, and like, the people could do it themselves, wow. but nobody knew how to do it. Nobody wanted to do it. Or like we do it for contingency for 30%. All you have to do is spend a few minutes here, you know, sign some paperwork, we'll, we'll measure it. And so that, how that did you worked. figure that out? I worked for a company that did it and in, in Houston. And, um, I, I remember I, these guys this is a good story because, um, they told me if uh, I was, I was uh, working there as a salesperson going out knocking on doors, right? right? And they said, yeah. if you do 15 claims in one week, we will buy you a, we'll take you guys out, bring you to uh, Ruth Chris for steak dinner, right? And I'm like 20, 
24, 23 years old. And um, oh, that's so cool. I did it. I was really proud. And they didn't do that. And I was like, what the hell? What? You know, so, they didn't think you'd do it. They probably didn't think you'd pull it off. Yeah. They just weren't paying attention. That's a powerful lesson that if you incentivize one of your uh, you know, salespeople, you need to follow through with it. So that kind of led to like, all right, I moved to Austin, started this company here, and then the rest is history. Wow. Um, so, and then that kind of got you in the real estate corner, and then that got you in the, in the investments, and then that got you, and it probably gave you kind of another, I guess it crossed over, and that gave you another incentive in working with investors to take care of the Masonite and get the... Yeah, so we were working yeah. with a lot of property management companies. If we could score a property management company, we wouldn't just get one claim. We'd right. get like 100, you know. So through that, we, I, I met a lot of investors that were doing very well on that residential investment property. And it's still something I do a decent amount of today. But that really spoke to me, the, the you know, act of building wealth through investment property. And right. some of these guys were firemen and, uh, you know, policemen and you know they had you know and they were in their 40s and 50s and had massive wealth through growing it slow wow and that's so is that was that kind of your first your first clients because you said you started in investments where people like firemen you know good guys modest income needed to build massive wealth and built it mm -hmm. slowly and they were just smart about it and you helped them yeah, build that. Yeah, that wasn't my first client. So when, okay. yeah, so when I first got into real estate, it was November of 2004. And we, that's when I got my license, we partnered with the California brokerage that was sending investors here to Austin in mass. I mean, he would have a, uh, like an investment seminar in Orange County and they would come to Austin. Um, oh, this, wow. Yeah, so we, so we sold a ton of them and we grew from zero to 500 doors in like a year and a half. And the problem with that was that I, at first it was kind of this almost glamorous residential uh, investment property sales. And then, you know, because of the mass growth, I became a property manager and it was the worst job of my entire life. I mean, Especially wow. growing, I mean, the, the customers, quite frankly, they weren't happy. You know, we grew too fast. We didn't have the infrastructure. Um, and so I spent a year trying to get it right. I had a property manager leave the leave my company and she had, the books were all messed up. My wife, who's a CPA, quit her job, came to work with us to help clean that up. So she goes from the CPA to, to property manager. And um, from bad to worse. Yeah. So wow. we, we literally, we got uh, a buyer on it and we had been through two years of trying to clean this up. And I remember we were in this. We say, pause for a minute, buyer on it, buyer on the company or buyer on, on, on the accounts. Yeah. They bought the okay. accounts. Yeah. And we were finally, cool. it was just like three years into it. We're getting out of uh, a property management. And I remember going to the uh, the sale, the final sale where they're going to put you know down payment. It was like I don't know ninety thousand dollars or something like that. And my wife and I, we signed the paperwork, we got the check, and we start walking to the car. And I'm like, okay, be cool, be cool, don't say anything. Just you know, we get in the car, drive out, and we turn like, ah! you know, like we're out, you know, <laughs> celebration. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So. 
and this isn't this I asked this because it's relevant to you just how you think and how you do things because you're mm-hmm. successful and this show is all about like getting in the mindsets of our guests and how they've become what you've become mm-hmm. so I think about like I kind of like in those situations I get real focused on what I'm good at and everything else I outsource yeah why or what because you so let me read you you're in Austin. You have a connection in California. This guy is sending people to Austin because it's a great market to buy homes, to mm-hmm. own his rental properties, and grow wealth, right? Yep. Yep. So you're representing all these buyers. Mm-hmm. So you sell 500 houses in a year and a half mm, or more. Yeah. Between, I had a, it was a big team. I mean, it wasn't just me. We had okay. uh, all, all the infrastructure was in California, and um, it was three years, but yeah. So then you uh, now 500 doors, mind you. So like we managed uh, several fourplexes, duplexes, houses, and we had an office in Houston as well. Sounds like a lot of fun. Just kidding. It, it was. It, it sounded I'm, cool, but I'm it wasn't. Being funny. I'm being <laughs> yeah. sarcastic. I mean, to some people, some people are really good at that um, and figure it out, which is where I'm going with this. So what is it that you? Put in, was that just? I'm just curious because I want to get in your head and how you think. But sure. what what is it that had you decide that you were going to do that as opposed to just be the sales broker? Or was that part of the deal? Um, well, I wanted to be the sales broker, and my uh, partner in California said that they were going to run things, you know, off site there, and he didn't come through. Ah. So. Yeah, when we sold the accounts, like he put everything on us, even though he was sending the clients to us. So like when we when we sold that account, we you know we did the Yahoo, right. like right. we were over it. Like we had a server, and like people were calling us because all the information was on the server. My wife and I FedExed the server to his office and got on a plane to Costa Rica for thirty days. That is awesome. So, yeah. so you, it sounds like you were selling properties that needed property managers and you just said, okay, I'll do it. You're just do You're just fulfilling a need. Well, yeah, well, right. I mean, we were building a property management company and I was never really for that at the time because it's, oh, you gotcha. know, look, I mean, if you're, if you're good in sales, chances are you're not going to be good in property management. Right. Exactly. And vice versa. I mean, you need to be very detail oriented and right. I'm not. Okay. So, exactly. um, you know what it, I remember at the time, like we were having problems when I, mean, I had 15 people, like a 15 person meeting, you know, with all my staff at the property management. And like, I hated my life. Like we were close to closing the doors. It was horrible, but I had to stand there and say, guys, we can get through this. Like everything's, you know, good. Yeah. Having these kind of moments where you're on the brink of failure, but you can't fail. But yeah, you have I love, that, I love, the life lesson right there. Yeah, so I bet you got a lot out of that. So give us some of your, well, a couple of things. I'm going to want to go in two directions with this, and I tend to do that. But I want to know your life lessons from that. And I also want to know that you did that 30-day trip to Costa Rica. And then is that when you became an agent after that? Yeah, so, so I, I went to Costa Rica, and it was September of 2007. Mm-hmm. And the market literally fell apart while we were there. Okay. I mean, talk about a blessing. Talk yeah. about good timing. Yeah. So when I came back, I had already joined another firm that was doing investment property. And um, the first time I've, I haven't been on my own in many, many years. And so I spent nine months with them. And he said that they were doing, you know, they were bringing in a lot of leads. And they weren't. They leads completely dried up. And 
Anyway, ended up leaving that place, started Spyglass Realty at my desk. In she started my, in 2008? Yeah, in 2008. And we did a, um, I, I wanted to start everything fresh. Didn't want to do deal with any of the investors I had before. I would, didn't want to cut ties with the, my partner at the time. So I said, how am I going to build this? And so the way I started it was, was newsletter. And that's still a huge thing for me today. So what I would do is I would go onto MLS and I would look at this time foreclosures were really prevalent. 2008 was the worst, worst year of my I, career. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted investors with cash. So I started calling the foreclosure listing agent and say, can I advertise your stuff on, on Craigslist? So I'd advertise your listings on Craigslist. And then I built every week, I did a, a, a list called the top 10 foreclosure list where I would take the foreclosures that were on the market and I would pick 10 of them that had rent potential and after repair value. And I started sending this out week after week after week. And then next thing you know, I had a couple of buddies join me, um, started getting a real list of investors. And then probably in 2010 or 11 was when I really said, okay, I need to expand beyond investment. Started taking uh, a lot of, you know, going to courses and seminars on, I wanted to get into a higher end product, right? Get out of investment property. I wanted to know how to, you know, stage a home. So I got my wife certified as a stager. Uh, we started getting really into them. I was already into the marketing on a very low level, but started, you know, posting our listings on, you know, syndication, but also through Craigslist and, and um, you know, when, as soon as Facebook came out, you know, it was one of the first things I did was post listings on Facebook. Wow. So, wow, what a, what a cool history. So basically, you were a broker doing the deal, the investor deals, then you were in property management. Mm -hmm. Or that kind of was the same thing. Then you it was sold the same the thing. It just turned out like I was not supposed to be in the property management. It's right. just exactly. things went so sideways. I had to be. You know, well, I, I mean, remember you, one time, but you say that a lot of people, which may attribute to your success, would be like, "That not I'm out. Like I'm yeah. not going to die if this doesn't happen. I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to go get a nine to five. See y'all." And you didn't yeah. do that. You were like, "There's a demand. People need me. I'm going to fulfill." I had to. I remember one time we had an owner that was really, he was upset because this property manager that we had that left was just really horrible. And she had charged him for a, uh, she had double charged him. I, I don't even know what happened. I think the vendor got the money and just didn't do the job. He mm -hmm. was supposed to clean the place out and, and clean it. And like, I called two of my buddies and like, I, it's like two of my agents and it's like, I gotta clean this place. I need your help. I can't pay you. Can you come help me? So we wow. literally they, we went in and cleaned it ourselves. And we have I've got a lot of stories about that. You know about having to jump in and and you just know. make it happen. Like yeah, it's but not it was about a disaster. I mean, it was a disaster. When my wife got in, she had like we we when we were when the property manager left in like November of two thousand, I think six. Or 2005, 2006, I believe. Mm -hmm. We didn't take off for three months until Christmas. And that was the only day at time we took off. And when I say that, I'm talking Saturday and Sunday, like going home, like she was at those books cleaning that up for three entire months. It got to be so bad. Like she had, she cleaned it up enough 
that I remember coming home at night, like we both come home at night at like 11 o'clock, because we didn't have kids at the time, at 11 o'clock and we're sitting there and like we're both just miserable. We're both miserable. And I said, we both cannot be like this. I want you to go so, back to your job. Yeah. That way, I, you know, I, I need your support when I get home or vice versa, right? Right. So, she's like, no, no, I'll go back. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, yeah, I'll go back. And and she had done her job of getting it cleaned up and, and right. ready. So she went back, took another year and a half at that point, and then we, we sold the accounts. So, so because we got 10 more years to get through here. Sure. And I want to I wind back to the lessons. Well, I'm going to ask you, what was the biggest lesson you got when you got done and you spent that 30 days in Costa Rica that was probably like a little meditation time you had some mm -hmm. reflection yeah and then you came back and you started with a company that didn't last long and started Spygrass Realty like where you were in one place of being naive and but being a go-getter and a problem solver and you've mm -hmm. got lots of failures and lots of whatever what was mm -hmm. the big takeaway I think the big takeaway was big was from my partner at the time, which he was a really impressive dude. I mean, he had he was a year older than me, and he had 150. He was 28 years old. He had 150 agents. He had like four different offices around the nation. But the problem was there was two lessons. I think one, he grew way too fast. Okay, mm -hmm. and two, he did not care about his clients at all. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I got a bunch of the heat because he would just not take the calls and I would. And so after we left, you know, I think I think after we sold those accounts, he quit doing Austin. He was still in like Bullhead, North uh, Bullhead, Arizona and uh, North Carolina. Um, I remember he he had similar situations in those places. And I just thought, like, what if he would have not grown as fast, right? Right. And then a lot more attention to the clients. After the recession, I mean, his business would have gone through the roof. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. because like he had such a great, impressive thing. And then, so that was, those were two lessons. Don't build your business too fast. Mm -hmm. Take much more care about what you're doing for your clients. And then I think the third lesson is know what you're good at and know what you're not, right? Yeah. Like a, someone like me who very is very ADD, very fast driven, right? I right. shouldn't have anything to do with, with accounting at all, right? Like, like I, I don't I'll even laugh because I'm exactly like you anyway. Yeah, no, it's I just reassuring know to know it's okay to not be good at some things and to not do them. But yeah. Right. right. So like, I don't even know how much how much money is in our account at any given time. I haven't logged into our account in years. My wife on the other hand can tell you right. how much right. we spent at movies in two thousand seven. God, yeah. It sounds like my husband. Exactly. <laughs> he knows. I don't want to know. I just want to live and move and make yeah. it happen. Just and tell that's me, it. are we broke or not? Right. <laughs> just tell me we're not. Just tell me we're not. Yeah. Right. Lie to me. <laughs> Just tell me we're not and fix it, right? <laughs> I'll work. I'll make money. Just fix, just tell me we're not. Um, anyway, nobody listened. It was the, like nobody listened to me. Bad advice. But um, <laughs> anyway, okay. So you get back. You had this jog, and I remember that story you told, like in the recession, and there were people getting all these leads, and then you go take these jobs at these brokerages, and the leads were all like nonsense and not real. Mm -hmm. I don't know what was yeah. going on with that whole common thing. And then you're like, forget this. 
you so Spyglass Realty, like then you just got out of that, mm-hmm. and that's where you are today, Spyglass Realty. How right. did like tell us you learned these lessons? How did you implement them when you started Spyglass Realty? And well, you know, I, I didn't have to worry about going too fast because I was starting over, right? In the recession, and, 2008. Yeah, during a recession. And it was funny that everybody got into my car, but pre-recession, you know, they were, they knew so much more than me, right? Uh-huh. And they're, they're in their car, they're, they're buying homes, you know, a fourplex for 200,000 and they're putting 5% down. And then they got the 5% from a HELOC loan in California, which, you know, I never, I was like, oh, it's like everybody watched the big short. That's all yeah. that is. And that's, that's so, nuts. Yeah. So in, when I got, when I, when I started Spyglass Realty, I had a, a list of investors and it got pretty quickly. Um, and not, it wasn't nearly the volume that I was doing. And I had always looked at, res, at residential real estate. I didn't, I looked at it as really cheesy. Didn't like it, right? Oh, me too. And, right. And here I am, right. 15 so years later, like, whatever years later. I was reluctant like. to get into it, you know? Um, but I also knew that, you know, selling at the time a $400,000 home was much better than a $150,000, you know, duplex or whatever, right? So we, you know, I wanted to do it right. So I, I joined a class, I think it was at the time it was Max Avenue, they're now brokers in, in Austin, but they had a deep dive into, you know, the, um, a selling system, staging your property, marketing. As a matter of fact, when I was in Max Avenue, do you know the guys, uh, Kinder Reese? I don't know. Jay Kinder and anyway, now they're NAEA. There's they're like a coaching program. Okay. Anyway, they were in that class and then oh, they wow. basically took that model and started their own coaching program off of that. Oh, wow. So I got, my wife was really good at like, you know, decorating. And, and so we got her certified uh, to be a stager. And I said, okay, what, how am I going to make myself different than anybody else? Well, let's offer staging at no additional charge. Staging was just coming in and people were charging, you know, 150 an hour for a staging lesson. We were going to still do are, that. by the way. Do what? <laughs> and they still are, by the way. Yeah, they still are. Them all the time. More, and they're great. You know? They're awesome. Um, yeah, they're worth so it we, for sure. But yeah, that's awesome. So we started collecting furniture. We got like a, a storage uh, unit, and then we we even got to the point where we're staging vacant places at no additional charge. And that was in I think 2011. We've wow. never yet charged one of our clients to stage a home. Wow. That's awesome. Now, did you have a, did you segue that business into a business that does charge? Nope. Never You're such did. an entrepreneur. Like our interview is so, we, between the two AD&D personalities in this interview, I love it. We're like everywhere, but this is good <laughs> stuff because you're coming from a much, I think a lot of people come into this business, connect, well, you know, they have certain connections or there's just, you know, it's the best job I could have, but you've kind of got this, you're an opportunist kind of not even for, money but it's just for like the world has a need and you're there to fulfill it and you just do because a lot of people don't do that well and another thing was was this it's like at the time in my neighborhood like how do i break into my neighborhood like right you know, how does that happen and you know when i don't have a history of selling these types of properties so so, so pause there because i want to don't forget what you're saying but i want to remind everybody 
that you getting into investments and investor lists, you created a newsletter that was mm-hmm. very, it wasn't just like, hi, I know about business and all this gibberish. It was like, it was for investors, foreclosure properties, and you even compartmentalized them and put them into properties that will get a return and properties that will get rent. Yep. And it was like suddenly very simple and your list was probably easily built. So now fast forward to here, how do yep. I break into my neighborhood where I have no experience? Mm-hmm. Tell us. Exactly. And so what I thought about was, okay, I'm, I've got money coming in from investment property. I don't want to do investment property. I don't want that to be hundred percent of my business because I knew another recession happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. It, so yeah. um, that recession changed us all, didn't it? <laughs> it did. Yeah. It's a learning lesson. It was going to wow. change us again too. Um, I want to hear what you think about that, but first, let, yeah, I want to hear about how you broke into your neighborhood. What did you do? So, so, so when we got her certified, we 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 went on a postcard campaign like crazy, and um, we put complimentary staging. We we sent that out, mailed it out, and then we started getting listings in our neighborhood. We started getting listings in other neighborhoods. I got my first, you know, my first website was in two thousand and eight. We started putting before and after videos of like, the, I would go into the house and intentionally get the worst pictures that I could for before, right? And then we'd stage it and then we'd, you know, we'd do before and after videos of the house and then, you know, before and after with the with the virtual, I'm sorry, the professional photos following my iPhone photos or whatever it was at the time. So, One question, why aren't y'all on HGTV? Like y'all need to be the couple on HGTV making it happen. Love it or list it or list it or love it. Or what, what is the show? I don't know. I had an interview a while back. <laughs> no. Who hasn't had an interview with HTV? I know, but they, they did, they've interviewed me a few times, but they don't, I don't think they like me much. <laughs> they don't like me either. I think, I think I'm too old. They're like, oh, you're 43. It's like, yeah. <laughs> we don't look 43. I mean, come on. Like, I'm not like, I'm a smidge under you. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm 29 for a long time. Right. Um, but Isaac's over here. I'm killing Isaac today. <laughs> I love it. Everybody, you haven't seen our show yet, but everybody like hashtags Isaac. Like everybody's like, well, what does Isaac think? So now we're all like talking. Isaac is dying, everybody. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> Isaac's our producer. Um, so, so before and after videos. So literally, so you went in, you did a postcard campaign to the neighborhood. Your focus in the campaign, was it staging? Was it neighborhood information? What was, was it a it was mix mainly, of It was staging. Wow, you know, okay. We, we would do ones where we take advantage of every piece of the postcard, right? And um, so on, we put a little story on the back and we'd, we'd, we'd put on the front, we'd have a picture of my wife and me and our dog at the time, you know, and then complimentary staging. And then from there, my, my sister, who's also a real estate broker here in Austin, she was doing these like eight page um, newsletters and I was already good at newsletters. So I started doing a eight page newsletter, deliver it through every door, direct mail. And I sent that out to the neighborhood. Um, and that was more information. Like I was always writing blogs When I'd go to an economic forecast, I'd open my iPad and I'd just take notes and that would turn into the blog and people really responded to that. So like when it came time, I'd do these big eight page newsletters. I would always, the content wasn't that hard to find. I would just take the last, you know, three or four blogs, put them together. And then we'd also put like the, the, the average price of the neighborhood. It was real informational, lots of graphics. And well, I there you getting, go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, in the newsletter, did you also incorporate the staging into that, or were those kind of two different campaigns that you did? No, I mean, the, the newsletter would have a little ad in it that was our ad, like complimentary staging, you know, uh, in-depth internet marketing. So, whatever oh, so it was like stealth marketing. It was a, yeah. I love it. So like, t- like entrepreneur big time. So and you've got a stealth newsletter. They don't know it's your newsletter, but you're sponsoring your newsletter with your real estate, well, right? Or we didn't hide it. No, we had Spyglass okay. Realty all over it. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, I mean, we, 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 it didn't say the Barton Hills newsletter. It said Spyglass Realty newsletter, okay. Q1, you know. But the newsletter wasn't about Spyglass Realty. It was about what people actually care about, which was their yeah. market, what's going on, which I think is important. There's so many people out there marketing about themselves. And yeah. people, I mean, they just need to know you can get the job done. But what they really need to know is they need our knowledge and our data and the access we have to it which you provided to, through the newsletter. You gave them mm-hmm. what they wanted to know. Yep. And then you you kind of enhance that with kind of an ad in your newsletter about your staging services. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we would do an extra <clears throat> forecast. Uh, you know, I live in 78704, which is just south of downtown. Uh, and when I, when I first moved here in 2011, it was, you know, down south of Mar, there would be, uh, you know, what is it? Muffler shop, repair shop, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a pawn shop, right? Yeah. And now it's all mixed use. We have the best restaurants. And so I did one segment called The Future of South Lamar and put the graphics of the new building it was being built and like interviewed all the developments and people. Oh, that's it. awesome. Yeah. What's interesting is some people loved it because they hated it. You had some old Austin, like, Austin's changing. We don't want that to change. That's I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I hate attention. that too. <laughs> do you but, still have a copy of that newsletter? Yeah, That's I'm sure brilliant. I do. Would you share it with us? Sure. Yeah, I'll have to find um, it, but I'm sure I have it somewhere. Isaac, make sure we we get that because that would be all that's that's brilliant because in doing that you're not only providing the content that your ideal client's looking for but you're mm-hmm. also developing more relationships in the community to develop more business and it got to the point where i when my son before he went to kindergarten i would see people at the park and they they knew who i was from the newsletter yeah so, that's awesome um yeah. so we interviewed chuck galuli um recently and it was a, i think it's been a few weeks but Chuck did the same thing in the um, what can, White uh, White Oaks, yeah, the White Oaks blog in Silicon Valley, and it literally he said I go places and everybody knows who I am from the blog, but I yeah. just think that's so important. So my next question, so two things. Well, number one, in doing that kind of very focused, not I'm a realtor. Would anybody anybody so let me list their house because that doesn't work. It's like I'm a realtor. If you need staging and you're in this neighborhood, like you're honed in on who your ideal client is and speaking to that person. Yep. How, what did, how fast, I imagine that blew your business up even in 2008 or especially in 2008. Well, actually this probably didn't start till 2011. Oh, that's right. So 2000, so when did you really hone in and focus like that? Was that in 2011, 2010 actually. Right. So by 2011, I, you know, I was actually made, the top 50 list in my category one time, right? Right. On the, like, like one year after I started this. Right. So, so it happened really fast. And uh, I know that was a, had a lot to do with a bunch of things, but mainly just kind of like we were going to take things and we were going to be better than everybody else. You know, I have a 
like a lot of top producing agents have this kind of negative image of realtors, right? Right. I think so many of, of the ones that don't do things right bring it down for the rest of us. Right. So we paid, even though I don't have attention to detail, I paid a, a lot of attention to detail to how we were going to do things, like how we were going to take photos. I remember, you know, one of my agents put a lease listing on, on MLS and the IDX had it come up in my featured listings. And you know, this is way back in the day and it had these like horrible iPhone photos. And I'm, I'm like, take that down. Take it got, down. Yeah. Oh my like, God. I've, I've got a client. Yeah. I said, well, you've got two choices. You can tell the client that you don't take good photos or, you know, you can take it off of IDX and not syndicate it. But either way, you're not doing your job for your client and you're yeah. not going to put your crappy photos up there next to my beautiful ones because someone's going to come to my site that's interested to see, you know, if how I market and they're going to see your listing up there. Right. So and then, right. you know, that's the kind of the thing with our market is like not a market our industry in general is people become complacent like okay well i'm only getting paid so you know 30 percent of one month for a lease well it, you shouldn't it's think representative of, it like that. of you it's some at some point i mean it's it's not even about the money it's about doing things right and it's representative Absolutely. because whatever you're doing now whatever it there are industry it's like we're kind of raised to get dressed and go to school and be told where to do and what to do when and get a job and be told what to do and just expect to get paid. And we think like whatever we do, like the return is exactly equal, but it's yeah. like so not like, it's like whatever you do, there's something 10 years down the road waiting for you. That's going to be affected by the decision, how you made to post that photograph today. And yeah. Whatever you do now, there's a compound effect, which that's a book. Who's the author? Let's quote the book anyway, Isaac. But that compound effect, I need to read it, but I know it's exactly that, like yeah. exactly what you're talking about. So, so, but, so back to your marketing and your focus. So you're obviously naturally an exceptional marketer. So you mm -hmm. go in, you did this day, and you guys still do that. You have a great video that we need to release to everybody, Isaac. Let's link it out. Um, but about you as realtors and what it means to buy a house. And I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, kind of like, it's kind of sweet. Like, it kind of makes you want to cry because it's so sweet. But it, it made it's me cry true. a couple times too. <laughs> Did it make you cry? But, but it, you know, it's just about the process and how important it is. And that when you guys come in, you do everything humanly possible to mm -hmm. make it happen and make it. Every, I mean, it, it's it's your home. Yeah. And, um, it's everything that you do in your home and remember about your home, and that's that's what we're a part of. So. Yeah. Um. So going from there, so you brought us to that, and then that's 2011, and I think since then, well, no, mm. let me, so you, you we're gonna rewind, rewind back to the lessons you learned. The lessons you learned were growing too fast is dangerous, you've gotta care about your client, and you need to know what you're good at and do what you're good at and don't do what you're not good at. So yeah. give us a few examples of how, as you started in 2008 and progressed to now, how you've applied those lessons and how you've structured your business now. Well, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things, there's a, there's a whole endless list of things that I'm not good at, right? And that doesn't mean that Spyglass Realty shouldn't be do, doing them. It means that Ryan shouldn't be doing them. So when I look for a, you know, new team member, uh, someone, especially, you know, on staff, I need to, I need to fill the gaps that that i'm the voids that, that that i have with with people that are going to do that and so 
uh, I've got a great office manager. Sunny's been with me for six years, and you know she takes ownership in 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 everything that we do here. So you know I think um, that's one way. It's like you know if I'm not good at it and I still need to do it, how can I build that? So I've mm-hmm. got great people. I've got uh, one of my agents is now taking the role of you know um, coaching part part of our agents. Oh, so. cool. So he was just really good at that. Um, team building, you know, um, detail orientedness, like my wife. Detail orientedness. <laughs> right, right, right. I can't even say it. You I'm know. making up new words in the show. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, <laughs> um, so so you've even got somebody so much as coaching on the show. I mean, on the show, I'm thinking about the show, coaching on your team. Um, so walk us through, like, where your team is now and how y'all are structured. So there you yeah, kind of the well, lead guy. Let me tell you how that started. Okay. Actually. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. So so what I was doing was I had three or four friends that were kind of on my team. And I my method in in, in the olden days, 2011 and, and shortly after, was like I'm going to do something for me. Right. I'm going to try something, this new thing out for me, whatever that is. Right. But then, okay, if that works, I'm going to let the agents know that it works and I'm going to show it to them. And then they can adopt it from there, right? If they want to. And then uh, when I realized that I needed to, I kind of wanted to start getting out of production even four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is to grow a team, which is really hard. I mean, we're just like last year became profitable as a team because I went through all these, these growing pains. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we started bringing in leads through various other methods. You know, we were using tiger leads and commissions Inc and boomtown and all that. But, um, there goes commissions Inc again, Isaac, we got it. They're Atlanta based. We just learned about them, like how we missed them. I don't know, but I'm finding the owner and giving them a hard time. Anyway, but boomtown commissions Inc. And what was the other one? Tiger leads. I don't even think they're around anymore. Okay. So anyway, yeah. so you're bring, so you're like, okay, we're going to get out of production. We're going to run the, we're going to work on our business, not in our business. Yeah. So you start bringing more leads in. Mm-hmm. So bringing more leads in, you know, getting agents. Like one thing I know is that like, like I'm really good at sales. I'm naturally good with people. I'm, you know, charismatic. I'm good on right. the phone. I know what I'm talking about. I'm modest as always. Right. You can tell that. Right. Right. But, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I, I was good at I was I, you know I'm, I'm good at right. sales. So you know I tried to teach that to agents and um, you know going through scripts and like what are our what are what are our strengths and how do you how do you turn portray that into a way that makes someone want to work with you? You know um, that took a long time to get that going um, to get the right flow down, the right system down, to grow, get the right people, to get the right people to make the calls. I mean, it's a, it's an endless job. And so last year we started doing fairly well at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't do bad before, but it, there was times where I'm like, Dude, should I just quit doing this? Like quit buying the leads and just focus on my own production. Right. Um, like what is all this for? It might be easier to just go use my talent and sell and make money. I think a lot yeah. of people come back to that. A lot of Absolutely. People. So I think at, after, you know, three years of really getting into that team thing, we started becoming profitable. I started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, end of last year, we like last year I sold 59 homes and mm-hmm. 
price range was all across the board. Like mm-hmm. I think the, the most expensive home I sold was like, you know, 1.3 million. And then I sold a $200,000 home. Right. Yeah. And we were running, we were staging homes. We were renovating homes. Like we renovate like 20 homes a year. Right. And what I realized, wow. yeah, we rent, we renovated this home in round rock. It was $200,000 home. It needed so much work. We didn't make a dime. We never make a dime on anything like that. And so do you guys rent, you renovate them for, you, do you charge for that or? Nope. Are you kidding? Nope. It's nuts. Yeah. So what I realized, like we renovated, we staged the home. The the owners didn't even live, they lived five hours away and we sold the home, you know, multiple offers on the first day. Wow. And she was like mad about like some something we had like a, a hiccup in the construction process of like when the fours were being put down and like she was still mad about that, that. she and wasn't paying it, for i love it right okay. and what it made me realize is that like people that are in that price range that have not done a whole maybe that's the only home they've ever bought yeah or maybe the first time buyers they don't appreciate that work so yeah. we we stopped staging homes under like 600,000. Yeah. And I decided I'm not going to drive more than three miles for a listing appointment anymore, which was really I've hard for this, me. I've had a, this is funny because I've had, we paralleled on this, but keep it, keep going. Well, so that was really hard for me because like listings my bread and butter. So I started giving it to, you know, some to Sonny and then one of my agents, Johnny, who, who works in Round Rock. He started taking the ones all in the North area and then he started taking the ones in the South area where she lived. And that was hard to give up. And what's interesting is like my own produ- personal production last year, I think was like, I don't know, 18 to 20 million mm-hmm. over 59 homes, which is ridiculous. Wow. Okay. So this year I'm going to finish out with probably half the numbers and 28 million. So by giving up, these other wow. listings driving, like it was able for me to focus on what I wanted to, which is homes in my neighborhood, wow. not as many homes, and then more time to work with the team. Wow. So you upped your, you upped your product, you upped your sales price, sales you doubled volume. it. Mm-hmm. You upped your, you, you didn't up your units, but it didn't matter because you sold more volume, more volume, less, less homes, closer to home, more focus on your team. I mean, that is such a huge lesson because so many people are afraid mm-hmm. to let go of certain things. But if you just like, it's, it's the difference between, I say this all the time. I got it from Liz Bentley. Everybody hashtag Liz Bentley because she is the one that really hones in on this. She's a, she's a business coach for a lot of top agents around the country and a really good one. But she says, you know, focus on, you know, I mean, she's, she's like, in our business, especially because we come from a business, it's so we kind of live in the paradigm of how, or it is competitive but we forget that there's still abundance within our industry and what sure. we do. Mm-hmm. And like you were thinking from a, lot, a place of scarcity, well, there's only so many. And if I give this one up, if I give it up, I'm losing something. When you gave it up, you were saying no to it. So you could say yes to more. Yeah. Yeah. My thought was this, like well, our system was so dialed in that if I went to a listing appointment 20 miles away and that's the only thing I do with that listing, I never had to go back. Never had to go back, right? I'm still dealing with the client and the agent, but you know, my wife is doing the staging, my office manager's helping with the staging, the whole system's doing it like that. But then like what I realized was it not it just it wasn't just that 
hour, especially hour in tra Austin traffic, but it's the interaction with, you know, like if I give Johnny a listing, he's dealing with that client from there on out. He's right. dealing with, with the agent on the other side of that deal. So, so you do the listing appointments and then once you win the business, you, your team. And yeah, and then Sonny even does a lot of the negotiating. But wow. I, I, what I guess what I didn't realize is like, I'm still getting a bigger part of the commission because really they're not they're like, you know, it's my marketing machine doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. But you know, they're handling much more than I anticipated. So I thought I was giving up two hours. Right. When really, when you, when you put everything in with the client, the, the, the other agents, you, you know, it could be 15, 30 hours. Right. Yeah. So now, so you went from, so give us before and after, before you took the, you took the listing and it was yours, like you were the listing agent and you did every, you did the negotiating, the communicating, all of that, even though you had your system, you probably have people scheduling showings and all that good stuff. Uh, and, uh, no, in Austin, we do it through text message. Yeah. Well, so do we. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have this thing called showing time, but that's a whole nother speech. I'm not into it because. Yeah. Showing time is like, I can't get, I, I want to talk to the agent. I want to know the buyer. I yeah. want to know they're qualified, but that's a different, that's Atlanta. But, um, but my point is, so when, so the difference between you having the listing and not, I'm trying to figure that out for our audience so they can compare it to their own business and their own. When you give it up now, you still do the listing appointment or do you just handle it no, off and they do I, I everything? I do it in my neighborhood. Okay. I do it in my, my geographical area, but the difference is I'm not taking the leads, the internet leads that are coming in that want to right. see yourself at home. Um, so now our machine takes it. So I've got a, I've got Sonny's my office manager. Mm -hmm. I've got a uh, near full-time marketing assistant. I have two virtual assistants and a graphic designer. Um, so I've got like all of these like marketing techniques that yeah. have taken a long time to get there, to, to get processed. You know, it's kind of in my head. I did it all myself and mm -hmm. my would do some of it. But now like we have wikis of like tutorials, like especially when we list a property now, you know, we get the stage, we get it. We have four, pro four stages of the listing, which are coming soon, just listed, under contract, just sold. Right. So mm -hmm. we funnel people in through Facebook and we uh, then we will we'll start with the coming soon. We're trying to drive traffic to the property before it's listed. Mm -hmm. And then we retarget those people with the uh, just listed under contract and just sold. But here's the beauty. We're not only retargeting them the stage of that listing. Mm -hmm. Then when we do the next listing and we have those four stages, we're also retargeting every stage of the next listing. So if I go into any one of my listings, you know, on Google AdWords, I'll have in a month, you know, 30 to 60,000 impressions with, you know, two to 300 clicks. So not only does it make our properties relevant, but it also makes our business relevant as well. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So, you're, do you do every listing? I'm, I keep asking you the same question because now I'm getting back to the beginning. Um, yes. Do you go to every listing appointment or you only do listing appointments in your neighborhood? Only only in my geographical area. Yeah. Now. Okay. So n you used to do all the listing appointments and let the machine run the rest. But now every you're like, one. I'm only going to listing appointments in my neighborhood. And if it's mm. outside of a three mile radius, you've got designated people. So you kind of have like areas that you designate agents on your team to or how many do you have? 
obviously you- I have well so I, I, we have about uh 15 agents and I have two uh basically two that are taking our listings okay so um and, and and let me just clarify this like you know if i have a friend or you know that's doing a listing and they're 20 miles away i'm going to it right, right. yeah it's, just, it's not you know it, referrals past clients even those especially in the investor ones like i tell sunny she takes care of them they're used to dealing with her anyway yeah. right yeah so like we have they're, grandfa- they're grandfathered into the old system absolutely yeah yeah uh, but I don't, but like, those are easy. We just sold like four duplexes for a guy over three years. And like, I, I was involved in the first one. I didn't even see the other three and we renovated each one too. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Y'all really need to, y'all really need to show on HGTV. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing that y'all do all of that. So what do you, I mean, I've like, I usually have a list of questions, but you've got so much interesting stuff. Do you, so one more time, because we've gotten kind of different versions of your team. Uh, you've got, and it's a company and a team. So mm-hmm. you've got 15 agents. Mm-hmm. You've got an office manager, a marketing mm-hmm. assistant, and mm-hmm. a graphic designer. And then what do your virtual assistants do? They do um, listing prep, transaction coordination, and then marketing. Okay. So. So, you know, we set up a system where, you know, we're doing retargeting through Facebook and Google AdWords. And it took me days to go through every click and take screenshots and then put it, you know, into a like a word file where they can like really like a trained monkey can do it. Like, oh, there's a picture, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know where you drag and drop. Right. So they right. do a lot of that stuff. Um, and um you know as far as the agents go i think we have a few part-time agents you know some a couple of them are just right. paying their license about three of them are just getting really started they've been with me for about a year um uh and one of them is probably going to do like four million in his first year which is not you know that's pretty good for a first year agent yeah that's awesome and then you've got somebody on somebody in your company that's also training and coaching the agents right correct yeah. Cool. So I kind of know the answer to this, but I want you, I'm curious what yours is. What do you think is your, like, what gives you the competitive edge to be a top agent in your market over so many other agents? Um, I think there's a couple things, but I would say, you know, present presentation of the property, first and foremost, mm-hmm. we're going to present the property in the best possible light. And then we're going to market it better than anyone else. We're going to, control all of the variables that lead to a multiple offer situation. Mm. I like that. So control the variables that lead to a market, a multiple offer situation. What are those variables? So basically, you know, if we have a hot property in my neighborhood and this is a horrible time of year, but let's say it's spring, right? Mm -hmm. We will do a coming soon uh, boost on Facebook, lead people into it. Plus we already like, like, in my neighborhood, we've got a targeted audience for 78704, people that visited all the 78704 properties. So we'll retarget to them. We'll do a massive boost on Facebook. I get people that are like, if it's a real hot property, they'll knock, you know, they're like ready to knock on the door, driving by the property, you know, they're calling right. me, let me in, let me in. I'm like, no. That's <laughs> Thursday awesome. At 2 PM, yeah. Right? And rejection one- breeds obsession, just saying. So when you say yeah. no, then they're like really wanting it. 
Yeah, they're like, why would you not do that? Like, I had one lady, uh, one house we sold earlier this year. She's, I just don't understand why you wouldn't do that. Why you do that? Like, what might be more cash buyers? What if they bring you a full price offer? I'm like, what if they bring me a full price offer? And what if I take that offer? And then what if we don't go live? And if I would have got live, I could have gotten four offers that would have went tens of thousands above list price. Exactly. And so she actually sent me an offer, sight unseen, tens of thousands above list price. See, now that's a negotiator. I mean, that's a good real, <laughs> that's like the value of a realtor right yeah. there. I mean, that's, that's such a great example because people sometimes don't understand what we do until they yeah. get a good realtor. I mean, I had a client the other day on the phone say to me, my husband has always said, realtors do not provide value. It's just a necessary evil. And he's like, yeah. he's like, she's like, he is now, it's things like that. The conversations yeah. that we know to have, how to have and how to handle situations. He's like, he's like, he, he won't even like hire a landscaper. And he's yeah. well, landscaper maybe, but he won't, he mows his own lawn. Not that, not that that's bad. A lot of people do, but this guy, isn't you know he could hire a guy to mow the lawn and he doesn't but my point is he's like that's he if i can duplicate it he's got this mindset that if i can duplicate it i will and she said he's right. realized he can't duplicate what you're doing it no, cannot be not, duplicated. there's no way he's no, like most, i always thought my realtor i could duplicate what a realtor does and he had one before and he felt that way and he's yeah. like, he, she said since he's hired you i mean not this isn't the jerry metcalf like plug i guess somebody else isaac you tell him but it's true but it's back to the point about you it's like you that what you just said nobody yeah. can do that for themselves only a good agent knows how to position and have that kind of conversation yep and That's so awesome. we never let anyone in the in the property before it's listed you know um without what we did in this case because we got an offer right we had an right. offer it was like thirty thousand published price right so, That's um, awesome. You know, when it comes to I think, talking about what we're, I think your initial question is what makes us different, presentation of the property and, and the marketing. That Control, leads well, more. yeah, we're, so it's the ADD going on here is not fun, <laughs> but what it was was the variables that control multiple offer. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's it, you know, basically, especially like, you know, I don't really sell that many properties this time of year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I sell the majority of my properties in January and May because mm-hmm. that's our office. And then exactly. a few properties June, July, and August, right? Yeah. But like, like those techniques work really well in the hot time in the market. They're going to work better than no techniques this time of year. Exactly. But like the magic that we happen have happened is in spring, you know, um, because if we can get people that are dying to get in that property and build that anticipation and like create that bottleneck and then you know unleash it on opening day, I even tell my clients like, well, what do I do about people that like the call at the same time? Like, you know, I don't really mind if you accidentally have people bump oh, into each other. Oh, thank you. Maybe that's like a Southern thing because we're both from the South. Yeah. But I love it when people are like, well, we can't have two buyers in the house. Or like, we can't have like, what if one buyer's late? I'm like, and why is that a bad thing? Yeah, <laughs> right, let them run into each other. And I'm like, I don't understand that, right? Like yeah. they should know that there's a demand for the property. That's not a bad thing. Um, what are you most proud of in your success as being a real estate agent? Oh, I'm, you know what I'm proud of? I think I'm more proud of when one of my agents is submitting an offer and the listing agent says, I know your broker, he's a really good guy, I like him. You know, yeah. and, and that like that because of my reputation, not of doing business, 
but because of my re- reputation of like helping people and being nice on the other end yeah it is like that has gotten me to a spot that has helped one of my agents you know yeah. my reputation for a guy that gets things done he's easy to deal with he doesn't fly off the handle right yeah. and 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 just had well known for doing a lot of deals and being nice to a lot of people wow so you said that um one of the biggest things that you learned was what obviously was through other mistakes and and your own mistakes and it was you're talking about again we've said this before but don't grow too fast yep. care about your clients and i think the other one what was the other one systems or i've got notes all um, over here what was the other one no, and the other one was know what you're not good at yeah yeah mm-hmm. so so yeah so I, I was going somewhere with that y'all anyway what so those are kind of the things you've learned but do you have a story for us and you've given us so many but do you have any like big one that was like this was the one like life-altering thing in our career that we were like wow never again well it was it was a property management yeah company. i kind of knew you know, that one i asked yeah there, yeah there, there's no doubt about it like i shouldn't have been doing it i wasn't very good at it and you know um I'll never get into a spot where I'm in that situation again. And I'll tell you this, when I say don't grow too fast, it's not about growing too fast. That's always an issue. Mm-hmm. But the next thing I say is take care of your clients, right? Right. Because if you grow too fast, not and you too don't fast take to take care of your yeah. clients, that's, those are, it's, you know, it's not one plus one equals three. It's one plus one equals five. You've got two mistakes that lead to Two, you know, three more mistakes. Right. 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 So I mean, I'm all about rapid growth, but yeah. not at the expense of your your client. Well, that's also not growth. Your future client and exactly. your future referral. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I think that that's kind of the, the big takeaway from from the property management company for me. Um, and and do what you love doing. Like I hated doing that. Like I hated dealing with with tenants calling all the time and like. You know, even when we did a great job, no one ever calls you and says, hey, you know what? I've gotten all the rent on time for the past year, no repairs, you guys are doing a great job. It just doesn't exist. So I think to be in the property management business, you've got to be, you gotta be a little weird, right? Like you gotta, you know, you're not good with people. You, you, You don't want any compliments. I was gonna say, no need for, this podcast is gonna be titled, why not to be a property manager? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, um, what's been your biggest aha about the business of being a real estate agent or broker? Gosh, um, I think that the the biggest aha is is just taking care of your clients and um, and also I'll tell you another another aha moment yeah. for me or several is like when you're trying to learn things in your market and you're trying to reach out to people like it's not going to work like go to a conference you know go to uh you know align yourself with other agents in other markets i mean you may learn some stuff mm-hmm. but like if you get to a hotel bar or at a conference and you're you know especially like nowadays like i'm in the curator community i love that community yeah and you mentioned that yeah, like now it's like, am I met at the hotel bar? Like we're good friends getting together year after year after year. And then we're talking about all the things that work for us, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to learn, I recently did something for the Board of Realtors. They asked, 
you know, what would, a, what would you, what would you tell a new agent? What would you tell a new broker? Right. I would tell a new agent to find someone that you can shadow 24 seven work mm-hmm. for free. If you have to sit in their office for six months, and just listen to them talk on the phone. Listening right. to them talk on the phone's the biggest. I used to go to the office yeah. just to hear everything yeah. to do and not to do in negotiating mm-hmm. and winning business. And then for brokers, I'd say make friends in other cities. Like make friends of top that producers in is other so cities true. and find out what they're doing. Take it back. See if it works. Not everything's gonna that they do is gonna work in your market, but most of it will. It's so true. And when you're friends with cities agents in other cities, it's a little easier to share because you're not, even though we like to, our business is very yeah. you know, synergistic. There is a little, it's a little competitive. So sometimes we want to keep our, our good stuff close until we get another you're city. You're good at it. You're going to get referrals from those people. Like yeah. the curator, curator's expensive. I mean, it's, you know, I'll probably pay, I don't know, 13 to 1500 a month for that system. Wow. Yeah. I make more than that off of the curator client sending me business. Exactly. You know, Curators so. should pay you a lot of money for that clip because <laughs> that was good. And we're going to, we're going to tag them because we tag everybody that gets mentioned on the show. Um, so unless you tell us not to, but no, fine. anyway, so a couple more questions. What do you think? And maybe it is cur- Maybe it's curator what you just said, but what is your, what is your, um, actually, yeah, I have two more questions. I'm going to, I'm going to make it, I do this all the time y'all, but I'm making it into three or four. What is your favorite, tool um or what do you find is the most other than your phone what is the mm-hmm. most productive effective tool for your business I, I just recently got asked about this so i have those i have i have two answers to that right okay for of course you do you're a realtor <laughs> right uh, i'd say for sales and marketing it's curator systems because okay. they do and they do a lot of teachings and stuff like that um, and for efficiency, we use Workplace by Facebook, and I am a huge, avid fan of Workplace by Facebook. They, I mean, we, we, it's basically, do you know what that is? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So at Compass, we have Workplace by Facebook, but I've not right. been on it. I know what it is, but I want to hear, so how so do you use it? We use it for like, you know, contract questions and answers. Like you can go back, like someone puts it in there a question about a survey you can go in and type survey we also have onboarding like all these different videos that people have to watch before they can come into the office and this now is we're agents doing that you hire do what is this the agents that you hire or who are the videos for yeah all the agents that i hire right. have to watch all of our, our <laughs> systems videos and the agent onboarding group and now we do a group for every listing so it's you know 2101 matterhorn we have 2101 matterhorn we actually just started inviting the client into that group so that they can see oh. us the back end like hey Kelly order pictures for this or you know what's the staging video for this like we need a walkthrough like the stager can go into that property and do a live walkthrough this and needs to go here there. this needs to go here and then the client can now see the back end of what they're because a lot of times w- 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 they don't really see what we're doing yeah. on the back end until like the pictures come in now with workplace they see our they can internal- just check and like watch everything that's going on that can they comment and micromanage would that can, yeah does that happen or um well no we just so that's what i'm afraid of right yeah so we just started doing it like they they, they just started allowing that about three months ago and so we've only got like two or three people that have we've done on that so you're kind of doing There's like your beta three people that like i would have this like litmus test and be like 
let's not invite them. <laughs> you know, so. I love it. Now that's awesome. Yeah, some people, and you know, some people would rather not be a part of that. As far as clients go, I have some clients, not many, but I've had clients like, I don't want the feedback. Don't give me the feedback. I don't like the feedback. I don't want to hear it because it upsets me and I get my feelings hurt. Just tell me right. when I have an offer. I'm like, great, no problem. We are going to track it so that if you do need to hear it, you've got it. But yep. it's awesome. Um, and here's what, is there a difference between workplace, because we have my team, except we're not as good as y'all are. We use it more to just in, interact and motivate and tease each other. But we have a private Facebook page that we just get on and put quotes and send love. It's not, we don't use it for, we're used contactually to go and run systems and do and programs and pipelines through that. Mm-hmm. But um, is there a difference between like a private Facebook group? Yeah. A private Facebook is, that's just one thing. In okay. workplace, we have like, you know, several different groups. Cool. Like I've got okay. I've got contract question and answers. I've got... Um, uh, so you have one one platform that has different interfaces kind of running Several different it. groups, yeah. Like we do Instagram research on one of the groups. Like we have all of our Instagram, we take all the photos, we put them onto like, you know, weeks ahead of time, like the, a week or two ahead of time. These are all the photos that we use. And in under that, that picture, we'll put the description and the, uh, the hashtags we want to use. And then the virtual assistant will go in and put posted underneath that. So we know we don't have to use that one again. So, and then, and then we're also, we're, we're holding our, awesome. our, our files in there too. Another thing like with, with Dropbox and um, Google Drive, yeah, like yeah, sometimes you lose stuff, right? Right. Like my Google Drive's a mess. I have, a, you know, a hashtag. You know what? I used to think that about Google Drive, but I've learned to use it better. But keep going. Keep going. So, yeah. so what you can do is if you put a, like in my Instagram one, if you put like hashtag bucket, you just put the link into Google Drive and post it there. Yeah. Then you go to files. Every single file that you put a link to will be in the files. Clean. This right? is in workplace? In workplace? It's in workplace, yeah. I'm going to check that out. I've got a video I can show you. I'll send Please. you about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, all right. So if there's one person who's most influenced, and it can be a speaker, it can be Tony Robbins, for crying out loud, that influenced the rest of the world. Love Tony Robbins. But is there anybody or a mentor or anybody that's most influenced your success in your career or your life? Um, gosh, God, I'm on the spot right now. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know about any one person. I've got a lot of people that have. I will. I will tell you a story about a quote that influenced me. Okay. When I love it. We, yeah. Yeah. When when everything was going to hell in a handbasket with that property management company, I was like, you know, the accounts were all messed up. The finances were messed up. Like we were. We were, I would have been in trouble if that would have went down. Like. <laughs> So, I mean, you literally. Sure you wanted to tell us that? No, I'm kidding. It's all, it's, it's all it's, in the past it, now. It, 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 right. Right. are past, right? Right. But, um, but, I mean, you know, it was, it was messed up. You know, we had someone leave and possibly steal stuff from us. You know, right. uh, likely it was just negligence. But I remember reading uh, the four-hour work week uh, yeah. when all this was going great on. Great book, by the yeah, way. Book. But I remember one part of it, he says, whatever your fear is of like whatever you're going through and you know what you think is going to be like the really rough thing that's going to happen in reality 
the worst part of that is not even going to be 20% of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so the worst I part of it is your anticipation of it, right? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. I, I just remember having that such a profound effect on me, like, you know, because sometimes when you're in a bad situation and when you're, everything is hitting you at once and your business is about to fail or you're, 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 you're struggling to make payroll or whatever it is, you know, you, you, your fear will hit you so hard and you just need to know that you're going to get past that and put that aside. And whatever you think is going to happen is not, you know, whatever your fears of your worst case is never going to happen. Right. And you just to, to, to know that and push forward. I like that. So the next question okay. is, which maybe that was it, but what is the one book you would recommend we read? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to say, uh, there's a lot of books I'm into. Uh, Donald Miller's story brand has been a good one for us. Don um, Miller's story brand. Donald Miller. Story Arnold brand. Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, traction is another one, but, um, <laughs> this is going to be a little unconventional, but I'm going to say the Godfather. I love it. And the Godfather, why is that? Because what I love about that book, it's my favorite book. I have a first edition signed copy at my, at my house. Ah. But, uh, what I love about it is like when Vito Corleone came over from, from Italy, you know, he was not, a, he was, it also talks about how he was thought to be a very stupid child, you know? Yeah. And, and he, when he would keep very quiet, when he came over, he spent his business helping other people in the neighborhood. And that's, you know, not in like the gangster fashion, yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, that you would think, but just really helping all the people in the neighborhood. And that's how he became the Don of the neighborhood. Oh, interesting. How yeah. fun. The Godfather. That's the good stuff. Like, forget <laughs> all these Forget all these self-help books. Read The Godfather. Right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and last question is, what is the one thing, if there's one thing that you would say we should get out of this interview, would hope we would get out of this interview, what is it? Um, I think that persistence and, uh, you know, failing forward is, is a part of life. And if you aren't failing, you aren't succeeding, you're not learning. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, that that's probably it. And that yeah. combined with a very, very good work ethic is the recipe for success. And, and I'll say that, like, I don't have it all figured out. Like I'm, 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 I like, I think I talked to you this other night, like I've got a lot of friends that are doing much better than me. And I kind of, you know, you surround yourself with people that, yeah. you know, you are the average of the five people you hang around the most. Right. right. So, you know, I'm, I'm down on myself, but if I have to look at my life lessons, I look at it like, you know, I'm, I'm, at, I'm where I'm at because I never, ever give up. If I, I do 10 things that fail, one of them work, I throw the nine away and then stick with the one and do 10 more things, you know? Um, and I think that's kind of, that would be my answer to that question. Awesome. I love it. Well, that's it. Thank you.